Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, you guys, it is Wednesday. Welcome to another episode of Just a Sip. I don't even think this woman needs an introduction at this point. I think you all know this beautiful, funny, and amazing baller energy. Leslie Jones is taking the sip, everybody. First of all, it is March Madness right now, and I heard you got the plug with Uber Eats. So what what can you hook us up with? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, you watch a March Madness. I think you buy one, get one free because you missed out last year. We don't cover you for last year. What's your favorite part about March Madness? Being an ex-basketball player and a fan. Well, I like college basketball better than NBA basketball because they Same. You know, they, they hoop harder. You know, I understand the plays more. You know, because, like, you know, I, I love a good zone. You know, I love... I love a good, you know, <laughs> one, one, three, one zone, full court zone. I, I, I you know, I like watching. I bet you I love, love a two on one. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> um, you know, I like watching the college I, and and then they really compete. They really compete. And it's always fun because there's so many of them. And then they do the brackets and it's like, oh my God, this is like a, this is like a, it, it's just so fun. And man, when it's I was fun. in college. When, when I was in college, that's we used to live by March Madness, man. It was a whole thing. We had the boards. We had people. You had to pick your teams. I always, yes, I, yes. Always, I always picked the team. I always picked the two teams that would be in championship. But it was always Kentucky, Syracuse, or, or UNC, Duke, or, or Duke. Duke, or Villanova. Villanova always was up in there. Villanova had a Villanova was kind of a catchy one because there weren't that many black dudes on the team, so you weren't sure, right? But they would right. end up making it. It was always that they, one they tall white good. dude who, like, you were rooting for. Yeah, but it was always North Carolina, Duke. It would always come down to those two, or or Michigan. You remember when Michigan did that yeah. thing? They had a good little run. Mm-hmm. They had a good little run. I had a friend call me during the pandemic. And was like, turn on Netflix and go to Leslie Jones. You are about to mother die. And she was like, go to six minutes and 27 seconds into the mother special and call me after. And I go in and I'm like, oh my God, am I a hoe? Because all my friends are like, Leslie Jones talked about her hoe years. You guys are like inseparable. Y'all must be related. I loved it. Hilarious. <laughs> Do you miss your whole year? I miss the body I had. That's what I miss. I miss the body that I had in my whole years. I don't miss the whole years. I kind of wish I could go back and manage the body better than I did. You're in real background checks. I wasn't doing background checks or nothing. 
and people had access to the body that they should not have had access to. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Like when you I see a dude like 10 years later and you're like, I yeah. cannot believe I gave you a key to that. Yeah, or you see guys now and I go, when I was 20, I would have took you down. You wouldn't have had no, you wouldn't have had no kind of chance, son. You wouldn't have made it out this <laughs> swimming pool area. <laughs> oh, I would have had you at Kathy Bates in misery, honey. You would have been exactly confined to that bed with the, with the wood between your feet and me over you with a sledgehammer. Don't fuck, don't play, don't play. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! I did not expect this interview to be this way. <laughs> no, look. Look, there's nothing that is off limits in this interview, but I often tell people, because I have a lot of girlfriends who got married in their 20s, and, you know, I always would tell them, you guys don't give up your 20s to get married just yet. You hadn't even had a whole year. And right. they're like, what's a whole year? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't had it yet, but I'm going to tell you when I had it. And let me tell you, 30 to 32, bitch, it got cold. Yeah. I mean, for me and for me and y'all from 15 to about 37. Oh, you had like a two decades. Oh, yeah, I mean, for men, men just have a whole different whole meteor. You know what yes. I'm saying? It's like, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Some men don't hold until maybe about like 25 on, but the all their whole stuff stops around 37 unless you just a raggedy piece of... <laughs> And we ain't gonna even go. We ain't gonna... You see, my whole years didn't start until I was thirty because I didn't hit it until I was thirty. Like I was okay, ugly. Okay. Like you know, my ears were big, my body was scrawny. Like I didn't get that. Like you know, when you when you're a girl and your hips come in. Like I didn't have that moment until I was in like twenty nine, thirty. Really? You was a virgin until you was twenty nine. I wasn't a virgin, but I wasn't. Oh, okay, I was are you cracking. talking about like your cracking year? Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, cracking years. The cracking years. Oh, I see. Now I'm thinking you talk about something now. Now that's a whole different thing. Cracking years. You actually have a series of cracking years. So you have your cracking years in your twenties, which is just uh -huh. absolutely obscene, and you need to go to the clinic every week. Uh, <laughs> then, then you have your, <laughs> then you have your cracking season in your thirties where you didn't kind of learn how to have sex a little bit. You didn't kind of learn yes. ways. Uh, you didn't kind of learn what an orgasm actually is. Because uh, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I didn't know what an orgasm was until I was like 31, to be honest. So, you know. A lot of women don't. Really, no, a lot of women, because and you know what's so crazy? Because when you're little, I mean, I don't know how families bring up their girls, but a lot of girls think that, you know, masturbation is, is bad. And it's not bad. It's actually very good and it can save your life. And you actually might not have as much sex as you think you would have if you masturbate because you know what it feels like. Most people, most girls are very promiscuous because they don't know their body and they're hot and they don't know how to, yes. to just satisfy themselves and they just go and have sex with a guy and which is usually not as satisfying either. So <laughs> I can break it all the way down. So, <laughs> so you need to be that know. older lady. Remember that old lady that would come on TV at like ten o'clock at night, Sue Johansson, yes! and she would like talk. She'd be like, "This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna put it." Like, I'm so serious. I would do that. I would do that to save the society of sex. I would do it. Leslie Jones, I would honestly 
turn on Netflix every week and watch you break <laughs> down one on one. Okay. <laughs> That is exactly what needs to be broken down. And this needs to be broken down for men and women. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because like I said, you have your cracking years in your 30s, then you have your cracking years in your 40s where you really know what to do. You really know what you want. You ain't got that much time. And you don't waste it on just anyone. I'm waiting for those, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because I need to reclaim some time, like Maxine Waters says, because... You know, I wasted so much time in my 20s and 30s chasing that relationship and chasing the love and chasing yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. And I feel like in my 30s, and maybe you can you know, attest to this because I know you hit it later in life. You hit your mm -hmm. career stride later yeah. in life and you almost quit. The way that I am now is how I was in my 20s and 30s. Maybe a little bit less uh, tempered. I had probably a worse temper than wasn't as calm or... I'm a little bit more anxious, but I was just as funny and just as energetic. I think it's about accepting who you are as a person and then knowing that I am not going away from this formula. Like, this is who I am. If you can't accept it, I'm sorry. I will move on to the next thing that can. Because at some point, you're really going to have to start liking yourself. At, at some point in your life, it's just it's inevitable. You can't change your face. You, you go to sleep with yourself. You wake up with yourself. You eat with yourself. Yeah. You bathe you might as well start liking who you are so once you do that the industry can't touch you because you already like yourself so it's it just becomes a whole different superpower and i'm basically who i am i'm going to give you what i can and i know i give you magic and i work at it and i do my job so when did you really like yourself because I think, Ooh. you know, for me in my twenties, it was like figuring it out first. And then towards my late twenties, I was like, all right, this is who I am. And this is what I have to offer the world, whether you like it or not, I'm going to stop changing for you and you need to start changing for me. Okay. So it comes in a lot of stages because that's just e even with the, with the career, like when I was a comedian, okay. It's like, and, and I'm using this as an analysis of any career, doctor, secretary, lawyer, whatever. There is a point in your career where you have to go, I am funny. You don't want to walk into a doctor's office and the doctor be like, uh, I'm kind of good. I'm kind of good. At, I'm kind of no. good at what I do. Um, uh, no, you want a doctor that's, that's like, I have been doing this for years and I know what I'm doing. I've done yeah. so many of these. That's how you're supposed to be with comedy too. So when you're walking into a gig, you're not supposed to be scared. At 10 years, you've been doing this for 10 years. You ain't supposed to be scared. You might be a little anxious because you want to get up on stage and prove who you are. Now, in life, you... you now, this is going to be a crazy story, but there was a point where I hated everything about myself. I hated my big feet. I hated how tall I was. I hated how dark skinned I was. I hated my mouth. I hated my teeth. I hated everything about me. And I remember my friend saying to me one day, she was like, well, f it. let's just cut your feet then. You don't want a size 12, bitch. We gonna cut your feet. Oh. And I said, what, bitch, that, that don't make no sense. She's like, exactly. So what you gonna do? What you gonna Damn. do? Damn. It was the beginning though of me going, oh, well, I can't cut my feet and I can't chop my legs to make me shorter and I can't bleach my skin. So, and that's not even an option. So you better start what looking you gonna at do? yourself. 
Yeah, you better start looking at this. So when I started, then Corey Holcomb had a, a, a conversation with me one night and was like, how come you don't talk about your feet? How come you don't talk about playing basketball? How come you don't talk about how tall you are? And I was like, because those things are embarrassing. And I already, he was like, that's the stuff that you're going to make people love you for. You get up there and you kill the elephant in the room. He said, not only kill the elephant in the room, make the elephant fall out laughing. That's what you do. Yeah. You make the elephant laugh. So I was like, oh, my God. So the first joke that I did about my feet, people laughed so hard, I almost started crying because I was oh. like, okay, they see my feet. Okay, so is they laughing at me? Is they laughing at my feet? But something in my head was like, so what? It's out there now. If Richard Pryor could walk on stage and talk about how he got burned by a crack pipe. Yeah, but Richard worked to that, though. Richard worked to that. Richard, If Richard was alive, he would tell you that the only reason he was able to do that was because of the years before of breaking that barrier of being able to make original material. Original material is yeah. stuff about yourself. See, nobody can't copy my jokes. They can try. They can try to rewrite some version of it, but it's me. It's all me. Right. Wow. It's nuts to hear you say that because everything that you mentioned that you didn't like about yourself are the things that I know a lot of people, but I can say for myself, I love. Like I when I know love. Leslie Jones is coming out, love. baby. I know the hair is coming out. I know that love. big ass smile is coming out. I know no, that mouth is going to be dirty. And like, that I is love the all lesson. of it. That's the lesson I want to tell everybody. Oh, this is so important for me to get this out to people. Hurt is a mother Hurt hurts yeah. so, so damn bad. You get through it. Life is not always going to be hurtful. Yes, you're going to have those moments. Yes, life is so damn hard. Sometimes you don't even know if you have the strength to even get up and just do what it is that a normal person does. But it does not stay like that. You have to remember that there's days in your life not minutes, days. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna wake up one day and you're going to look back and go, damn, I was sad, but damn, I made it. And that's going to make you stronger. Whenever I hear about someone taking their life or anything like that, I just get so sad because I know how sad they felt. I know how desperate and, and, and at the end of their road that there was. And I just wish that I could pop myself there and hug them and tell them, you just got to make it through tonight yeah that's no. the truth you just gotta like and it's crazy because i i just saw a video from um diana ross and she mm -hmm. said that it's so easy for a negative thought to take control of your mind yep. so it every really day is. you have to be cognizant of putting positive uplifting thoughts in your head because it could change the way that you see life you just have to choose joy i always tell people if you feel like I, and I know this moment, I know this moment when you're like, I'm going to do it. If you could take yeah. one second and just go somewhere and just scream your freaking head off, no matter what happens, that moment will change the trajectory of what you feel. And you still might feel like afterwards, because let me explain, explain something to you. Acceptance might still feel bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know? It might still feel bad, but if you could just change, like, because when you're in that mode, you're in just one mode, but it's like a change of, like, maybe getting up and going to the bathroom or running outside, even if it's raining, even if it's snowing, 
change it. Just run. Just just get up and lose your mind and run. Just yeah. jump, scream, move, jerk. I'm telling you, when my brother died, I laid on the floor for hours. And I had no plans of getting up. I had no plans. But some in my head was like, so who's going to uh, pay rent? Uh, wow. You just going to lay here? I mean, are we going to eat tonight? <laughs> your mind started. Like, your mind started like, get, get the f- up. Get so, the f- up. So, like, is you just not going to take a bath? I mean, I, I'm, I can do without taking a bath, but I mean, I kind of need to pee. So. <laughs> <laughs> is it so the, crazy when the I world remember, don't stop? The world don't stop for you. The world doesn't stop. I remember when my dad died. The mm-hmm. thing that I remember the most is sitting at home and I danced so hard by myself. Yes. Like I was in a club. It was weird. It was, I That's was sweating. Sad. That is I, so good. So good. Cause you working up them endorphins because people need to know, this is one thing that I want to leave with people. Very, very important. When you lose someone and you lose a loved one, when someone passes away, they so want you to live. If they could Always. come back, if they could come back and tell you one thing, they would say, please do not waste time on being sad over me. We will see each other again because it is very true. And it says it in the Bible that the dead take care of themselves. They take care of their own. They are fine. 100%. It's like mm-hmm. that CC whining song. Don't cry for me. Mm-hmm. Don't shed yep. no tears. Because you know at a black funeral, you know a black funeral. Mm-hmm. We're going to show out. It's okay. It's okay. Show out. Show out, but move on. Show out, but it's, move on. Because you're, you're, you're almost even disrespecting, you know, their death if you don't move on. It's almost a disrespectful thing because you end up where they are. They're going to be like, dude, I left. I didn't need for you to come with me. Yeah. You know? No, this wasn't an Uber pool. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. I was coming alone. And, and I'm telling you, it's like the, my aunt told me one time cause when I was on one of those moments where I thought, because, you know, my brother and them, my aunt said, why would you do that to me? So you're going to leave me too? So you think that I will be able to survive you leaving? And that broke my heart. I said, oh, my God. You, it, this is not about you, Leslie. This is about the people that are around you and that love you. Yeah, it's so true. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Throughout all your success, are there moments where like you can feel him there? Where like there's like a signal? Are there something there's that happens never, where you're like, oh. There's, there's never not a moment. There's never not a moment he's there. Never not a moment. But I will tell you a, a, a great one though. Uh, I had $16 in my bank account and I was living over in North Hollywood off of Kittreds and like right across, right around the corner from a 7-Eleven across the street from a strip club. And, uh, and I was fixing ramen because that's all I had. Uh, I had, but I, I was a great cook. So I, my 
ramen was bomb. But oh, you I was you was, you was oh, emerald it oh, up. No, I, no, no, no. You know how you put the seasonings. You can put some garlic in. You, you get you uh some chicken broth. You know that's what you use hey. water. And then you and then, oh baby, my ramen is off the chain. And then I used to make my own chips with the tort uh tortilla. You get the tortillas and you fry it in the oil and make your own chips. Come on now, I've been broke okay. Hold on. We got a Netflix sex show, and now we got a Food Channel cooking for trade on two dollars with Leslie Jones. So we got. I'm two telling shows. you. And look, and look. If you got sixty nine cent more, you can go get a bag of frozen vegetables and add the vegetables to it. And baby, let me tell you. Now you got something else going on. And look, and let me tell you, if you got something left over, put it in the refrigerator because it's a nice cold pasta the next yeah. day. Have mercy. No. People, people oh be my. talking about I only got $5. Look, let me tell you what you can do with that $5. A lot. So, so I was sitting in the kitchen making ramen, and I had $16 in my account. I remember it was towards the end of the year. Uh, I think a little mm -hmm. bit past Christmas is about to be New Year. And I just looked up, and I said, look, Lord, <laughs> I've been doing everything. You know, I've hit every club out here. I have ripped. I have done what I'm supposed to do. I've studied. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. You see what's going on right now, and I am scared. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Oh. Do I quit? I was like, but all I could tell you right now, because I was just really sad. I was like, all I could tell you right now is it's your turn. It's your turn because I'm, I'm exhausted, and I don't know yeah. what else I can do. It's your turn. So I made the ramen. I went and watched uh, Private Practice because that was my show at the time with Tay Tay. Tay Tay Diggs. That was my show at the time. Taking out all the white girls. Right. Mm. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I watched that show and I fell asleep at 10 o'clock. At 12 o'clock, my phone rang and it was Cat Williams to put me on his tour. You are lying. I swear to God. Had you ever been that specific with God before? Yes, but only about my career. When it came to men, that that's the thing that I'm learning right now. That I've, I've, I don't think I, I think I've started doing that now. But I did never take it serious with men because I used to be like, that's just so frivolous. The Lord don't care if you have a boyfriend or not, and and you young, you're a man, and that's that's not what I. All young girls take note to this. Be specific about that too, right now, because it, you know, because where I am right now, I definitely know that the Lord got it this path. Wow. Answered it in two hours. In two hours. He was, it was almost so an answer too. like, yeah, you're supposed to be a comedian too. And you're a good one. Damn. What was that Cat Williams experience like? Because Cat Williams crazy. doesn't play. It was fun. It was so fun. It was so fun. The, you know, on the tour, on tour, it's just a fun thing to do for a comedian. Like you get to perform your material and, and you get to do things to the material because you're doing it so much and you get to write new jokes and you're on the road with comics in the bus and you're going to different cities and, and Cat was so popular. Everything was sold out. It was freaking exciting the whole time. Wow. Wow. My favorite thing about a comedy show, my aunt took me to see some more when I was younger. Oh, okay. She snuck me into a club, took me to see some more in New Orleans. I was looking at why there was like white people in the crowd, but she was telling black jokes and ragging on, like kind of making the white ladies in the audience about the jokes, but they were cracking up and yeah. having a good time. And the people around them were, you know, I know they didn't know each other, but they were hitting each other like, yeah, right. like high-fiving. And what comedy did for me at that moment was made me realize that 
when there's a little bit of strife or a little bit of tension, the, and to make somebody laugh and laugh through the complaint or to like even just have that moment yeah. where like people are just, it was, it was like a beautiful moment. I can't even explain it. Well, well, I do. It's crowd work. That's, if you're a crowd work person, you're supposed to make not only the person you're talking about laugh and feel good, but everybody that's in the room is going to feel good about themselves. And that's the type of crowd work I love. I love that type of crowd work, that, that the person that you're talking about is going to go tell the joke. Oh, you should have seen how she talked about me. She said that my sweater, that's yes. the type of crowd work you, that's, that's the yes. type of crowd work you want to do, you know? What was that moment like? Because I feel like for every politician, the goal is the White House. And for every comedian, the goal is Saturday Night Live. What was that moment like when you got that call that you were going to be on SNL? Was audition tough? Well, it was yeah, it was just a whole different thing. Because when I got the audition, I didn't get hired as a cast member. I got hired as a writer. And um, Sashir got picked as the cast member. I didn't become a cast member until I think the next season, the, the, yeah, the following season. Um, so you had to but, write for you had to write for people who you wanted to be in their shoes. Yeah, but I didn't feel like that though. That's that's you can't go in there like that's a bad attitude to have. You got to have I'm the a attitude. Scorpio. You can't think like that. You got to think like I'm part of the team. I'm making the team better. Um, I'm not insecure about who I am. I'm funny as hell, um, you know, and you're bringing your skills in now. Now, yes, of course, I had to realize, you know, sometimes they take your kindness as weakness and, you know, this, this and this, and you got to fight for yourself and stuff. But mm -hmm. when I first went in there, my spirit was, you guys get to put on a live show every week. I was like a kid. I was like a kid in the candy store there. I was like, and how old were you at this point? I, I was 47. Yeah. I, I just was like, this is, in, wow, this is so, you got a live band? Oh, my goodness. So that spirit alone <laughs> woke up a lot of writers like, oh, look, this, this girl is, like, impressed by stuff we've been doing for years and, mm -hmm. and bringing some, some excitement to it, bringing some excitement. I think I brought that spirit back into there and, like, the spirit of comedy, the spirit of being funny, because, like, I was doing things that, they wasn't, I don't know if they wasn't allowed or they just didn't do, but doing the table reads, I would be like, oh, that's funny. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> dying laughing. And everybody would be looking at me like, what the f is she, do they, does she know that she's not supposed to, I would be cracking up. And, or either, or either something was weird, I'd be like, that's stupid. I don't understand that joke. I don't understand that one. Can y'all explain? And they would just, just like, you, you can't just, you know, but Lauren loved it. Lauren loved it. Matter of fact, anytime I would laugh, he would approve that sketch because he would be like, wow. oh, man, she's laughing. She's laughing because I would really laugh. I would really laugh. I'd be like, oh, my God, that is hilarious. So Che, che was gunning to get me on too. to Che put me in a in a, in a uh, pre-tape that I killed. And then, you know, uh, they let me do another update. And when they saw wow. how comfortable I was doing the update, and they also saw other people wanting me because, you know, then John Oliver was like asking me to come do mm -hmm. stuff. And then then two bro girls had wrote a part for me. And Lauren, Lauren called me in his office. He was like, I'm just going to make you a cast member because, you know, we don't want to lose you. Well, he was just like, you're not a, you're not about to go win the Super Bowl somewhere else.
So I was like, I mean, he was smart. And it's always yeah. when people want you. It's always when other people want you that they want to give you just, what you need. It's, that's what the game is. It's about it's about them seeing that oh, this works. Um, and people, we want to be the person that brings this out because this works. You know. So it's just uh, it's and it's a constant it's a constant game of me showing. It's a constant thing of that. You know. And what was that first time when you were walking down the street and somebody was like, oh, my God, you're from SNL because I've seen it. I've uh, seen it happen. It's so annoying. It's this started becoming <laughs> it started becoming crazy because, you know, New York, New York is all on top of you. And New York. Yeah. Think that New York think they own you. So it's like <laughs> it's like Lizzie Jones, what the f- take a picture. You a f- I love you. I support you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't go nowhere. But you know what's so funny about uh, New York and LA? Now I'm out here in LA. <laughs> LA, it, I mean, you get people that come up to you in LA, but LA is more of like, oh, Leslie Jones. Hmm, um, here's my uh, resume, and yeah, uh-huh. I'll be playing Shakespeare uh, uh-huh. in uh, Within Hills at a little theater if you'd like to come check. All You'd be day. like, bitch. <laughs> I ain't got no mother time. You'd be like, bitch, bring me my Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. God. It's so true. My gardener, I love him. This motherfucker is a stand-up comedian now and did his whole performance for me outside. And I was like, great. I guess I'm, I guess I'm watching you do your performance while I'm just trying to sit here. No. I'm like, I told I you, no. I stop him. I'll be like, man, stop. <laughs> Take your ass and get on the stage. That's right. And make sure y'all watch Coming to America, too. Can we just talk about Eddie Murphy, please? <laughs> he was great. He was great. He looked the same, right? I remember watching the first one. And I remember it being a big deal because USA used to show it on Saturdays. And Saturday nights, right. they would show it. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, I wish I could be Arsenio Hall because I know I could never get to the Eddie Murphy part level of right. comedy. You know what I mean? Eddie Murphy is just something else. But the way Arsenio Hall was kind of sort of like the Scottie Pippen to his Michael Jordan was amazing for me. I love Arsenio Hall. Yeah, Arsenio is one of the best ones. He's he's one of the good ones, too, man. He was great. He just, the Being on the set was great. It, I mean, he was so funny. Everybody was fun. It was it was just it was just kind of surreal to, to see all that, you know, all the costumes. And it was just very nice. Yeah. I really want to know, what's it like inside of Rick Ross's house? That's exactly what his house looks like, like a palace. I was like, I was going, I, no, serious, that scene that I did in the bathtub, that yes. is bathtub. And all I kept thinking, don't laugh. I was like, please tell me that y'all washed oh. this tub out. Because I don't know, I'm... How many hoes been in this tub, yo? How, how, how many hoes been in this tub, man? Y'all better watch this tub out. <laughs> but I felt sorry for the boy. The, the boy couldn't swim. I was just like, oh, Lord, we're going to have a hard day today. Oh, my God. And that's all I could think about was there must be, like, ghosts of hoes past just flying around that house, like, in, in, in high heels, just clicking. You just hear it, like, exactly. high heels and, like, the, the sound of a pole scratching, like, in the background. Exactly. You don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, thank you so much oh, for joining me today. I really appreciate oh. it. You were a joy to have.
you guys, if you haven't seen Leslie's Time Machine on Netflix, I suggest you get your best girlfriend who you did some crazy with in your 20s to sit down and watch this with you, whether it's in the same room or from the other side of the country and have a good laugh together because the she says in this really hits home. Thank you so thank you for having me. I really had a good time. I, I, I didn't expect uh, this type of interview, but it was fun. You guys, thanks for listening and do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity. 